morning. Thank you, Janice. Uh, before I jump into the message, I do want to talk for a moment about the unrest that's happening in Israel, if you've been following along. And I get this question a lot, like, why do we talk about some things and not other things? And this is really sounds like a canned response, but it's really through prayer, wisdom, discernment, processing. There are very few decisions that are made here that are made in a vacuum. And so typically I like to trust and verify. Like, I feel like God's saying this, let's process this, let's talk about it. Um, and that's for almost every decision that's made here. But I'm not talking about Israel today because it's Israel. Certainly it has a tie to our faith and biblical um, when we read the biblical scriptures. I'm not talking about this from a political standpoint point of view. And I always hate that I have to qualify these things, but I feel like we're in a culture today that I don't want to be misinterpreted or misunderstood. This is truly because of just the pure evil that's happening. I don't know if you've been following along about what's happening to families and young children and how these evil people are using these families and young children really as safety nets and guards and uh, taking them hostage and the horrific things that you can read and see and watch videos of. We live in a time and age that information comes so quickly and you can see things that probably aren't good for us, to be completely honest with you. Because I don't know if you're like me at all, but what's also disturbing is how undisturbed I can be. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so if, oh man, these terrible things are happening. These families are just absolutely executed. And we're like, oh, so are we excited about the Bengals game today, right? Like, we're almost like the news in that sense because we're so desensitized in so many ways. We see this in shows that we watch, movies that we watch, video games. I mean, you can't hardly see or watch anything without some sort of violence in it. And I think it's really not a great thing for our heart. And so part of my prayer this morning will be for us to be disturbed by this. So really, anytime we talk about this thing, we know there's only one way this will change. Because the people that are doing these evil things, they think they're right. Right? I mean, that's why they're doing it. They think they're right to do this. But we know, really, the only way this will change, not through some political forum, certainly it can, it can stop through that. It can stop through military might. But really, the only actual change that's going to happen is through the love of Christ that breaks into these horrific, evil things that are people people are doing and when that happens hearts will change we won't have to worry about boundaries and uh, land and all of that because we'll be in one kingdom the heavenly kingdom the kingdom of God so will you join me in praying that God just intervenes in the only way that he can we know he wins in the end and we hate to see these battles that are lost now so we just want to invite God into this situation with his mercy and his grace. And as much as we don't want to believe he loves those evil, evil people too, he does. And so we need to pray that their hearts become changed so that they don't do these horrific acts anymore. Will you join me in praying? God, we know that you know what's going on in the Middle East and this unrest with Israel, your chosen people, Lord. And this isn't about a boundary. Oh, this isn't about land. This is about your people that you've created and the horrific acts that are being done this evil that's still in, in the world. God, would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and reveal your way, yourself in a way that they would see, they would understand, they would grasp. God, you're the only thing that can truly change hatred, bigotry, evil. God, we know you win in the end, but God, we're asking you to come now and win even sooner. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, sometimes a well-written article can give life to your soul. Sometimes a well-written book can navigate you through challenging times. 
Sometimes you can watch a movie and it provides much needed laughter in your life. Other times you run across a podcast or a song and it provides the words you couldn't really express. Maybe it names the feelings that you couldn't name. I've certainly found this true in my life. I don't know if you have, but at different seasons and moments in my life, I've run across something that does just a really good job of describing the words that I couldn't come up with on my own. It, it helps me name the feelings that I couldn't really name. And scripture often is a point of clarity for this kind of thing. There have been countless times throughout my life where I've come across, across a scripture that really challenges me and gives me the boost that I need. Other times I've come across a scripture that really speaks deep into my heart and into my soul. This has also been true of certain songs. Several years ago, there was a song called, there still is a song called this, Control by 10th Avenue North. It just really spoke deeply to me. Then a few years ago, there was a song called Rattle, and my kids will tell you, like, I played that song all the time. That was like my song by Elevation Worship. When Craig and the band sing the song, See Right, I almost cry every time. There's something about that song that speaks deeply to me. During my sabbatical, I found this song called Runnin' by Elevation Worship that I really like, and I, I play that one often on my prayer walks. Often these kinds of songs, they have some sort of truth in them that resonates with me. They challenge me. They inspire me. They cause me to process what I've just heard and then wrestle with its implications. And this morning, I want to read lyrics from a song that I believe, as Christ followers, that's all of us that have said yes to Jesus, these lyrics speak to something we actually want to live out. It's a truth that's inspirational. Even in its truth and inspiration, though, it's hard. It's a song by the Casting Crowns called Praise You in the Storm. So I'm going to read some of the lyrics. It says, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day, but once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. Well, as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I will praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. It goes on to say, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I will lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I will lift my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? And then it ends by saying, And I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. I mean, I just love the vulnerability and the truth of who God is in this song. The acknowledgement of who God is in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our questions, and that ending that says, even though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. I mean, truly, isn't that the way we want to approach the storms of our own life, right? Isn't that the way we want God to break in with his mercy and his grace? Don't we want God to be with us and comfort us to help navigate through all of the storms of life? We may even believe that God could and maybe even should have already stepped into our storms of life. And I know there are times that's true of me. And the reality is we're told we're not going to escape the storms of life. And so we can either go through them with or without God. We can ask God to help us navigate through these storms 
or we can attempt to navigate the storms of life on our own. We can invite God into our pain and frustration, or we can add God to those pains and frustrations. And so this morning, we're going to see how God can help us in the midst of our storms and see how he doesn't abandon ship even when he knows the ship is going down. But before we do, will you join me and just invite God to, to meet us and challenge us this morning? God, we just ask you to come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit and maybe reveal some storms that we've gone through, maybe some storms that are approaching, maybe even storms we're in right now, and remind us that you're always on the ship, you're always with us, you never forsake us, you never leave us. And so God, speak to us, challenge us, and change us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. I am one of the pastors here. If this is your first time joining us online or in person, we're so glad you're here. As Janice said, we're wrapping up our series, Breaking In, where we've been looking at different ways God has and is breaking into our lives. And so if you've missed any of the weeks prior, previous to this, I encourage you to go back and listen to them or watch them on our YouTube channel. This morning, we're headed to Acts chapter 27. If you're following along in your Bibles or if you're following along on your phone, you want to turn those on. If you don't have a Bible, by all means, Grab one in the back. Feel free to get up one now. Get up and get one now. They're absolutely free as our gift to you. Grab one of those orange journals as well if you don't have one. It's a great place to take message notes. And then it talks a little bit about our reading plan that we've been doing together as a community. It's in Acts 27. We see the Apostle Luke recount the events leading up to this significant event in the Apostle Paul's life. He's on his journey to Rome. Paul is a prisoner. He's on this ship heading to Rome. And he's to stand before Caesar. The ship sets sail from the island of Crete, which we're going to read about in a minute. But Paul warns them before this sailing not to do this, not to continue the this voyage, to, to pause, to wait, because of the oncoming uh, winter and dangerous storm that's coming. So with all that in mind, let's jump into the story, Acts 27, starting with verse 13. It said, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, called a northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught up by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. And you hear me say this a lot, but try to insert yourself in the story. You're on this ship, right? Now remember, they've already been warned by Paul. Don't do this. God, or Paul had the guidance of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not to set sail. But they think there's this window, there's this opening because of this gentle south wind that began to blow. So they set sail. And shortly after, they realize we've got some heavy winds coming our way. So I want to show a video. I try to do this as much as I can to help us get into the story. It's from October 2021. It's from Massachusetts. And this is a nor'easter that brought in hurricane force winds. Now, as you watch this video, keep in mind this storm as we read the rest of the story. But also remember what kind of boat Paul was possibly in, right? It would have been a wooden boat that would have looked a little like this one. Now, this one's obviously not in its full capacity, but it gives you an idea that it's a wooden ship, right? So keep that in mind as we watch this video. think I want to ever go out in a storm like that, right? I'm not sure what kind of boat you need to be on to not be driven by some of those winds in that storm, but it's safe to say a boat like Paul was in likely is not the boat you want to be in, right? 
So that's a similar storm. We don't know exactly how bad the winds were, but we're going to hear a little bit about it. Let's read on. It said, as we passed the lee of a small island called Cuda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the, man, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid, they would run aground in the sandbars of Cytirus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took a, such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. It's safe to say things aren't going well, right? The lifeboat they managed to hoist aboard was an important tool in ancient sailing. This was typically used for landing or maneuvering the ship. No doubt this ship, this lifeboat is filled with water on the verge of breaking loose and crashing into the mothership, right? And anyone who's ever tried to overturn a filled canoe or turned canoe can understand and appreciate the difficulty of this task. Another emergency man a manner was this binding or banding of the ship that we're told about, which involved the ropes passing under the ship, and they're pulling it together in transverse fashion, and these ropes would be used to help hold the timbers together against the tremendous forces of the winds and the waves. This area they're sailing in is legendary quicksand. It's very well known in the southern Mediterranean, where they, were, they would avoid, like, Alexandrian ships would avoid this area. They would, they would sail way north to Asia and then west to Italy to avoid this area because of the, the quicksand and the shallowness of this area. And to combat the drift, we read that they lowered the anchor. This had the effect of giving this ship a dragging resistance against the waves and the um, winds. This would have helped the ship drift a little more slowly. But despite all these emergency measures that they've taken, the ship's still being battered. The waves are still pounding. Maybe the ship's beginning to take on water. The crew members began throwing cargo overboard to make the ship lighter. Can you imagine doing this in the midst of a storm? Now, I don't know about you, but I've watched my fair share of Deadliest Catch, right? I've watched a lot of those episodes, and those boats are built for storms. I can't imagine being out in a climate, even on one of those ships, doing this kind of thing. And we see here that when everything they've tried proved inadequate, they threw out the ship's equipment. These actions have indicated the absolute desperation this crew had to be in. The severity of the storm obscures the sun and the stars, it said, which they would have used to navigate the ship because they were so far off the coast, they had no cell service. Yeah, for those of you like, how far is that? Like, I'll give you a minute to think about that one. <laughs> the ship is being tossed. It's being drifted. It's been being driven wherever the wind and weather wants to take it. It's likely leaking at this point. I mean, this is a bleak sense of gloom and doom. Despair permeates the crew. The crew has to be thinking at this point, if only we'd have listened to Paul, right? We should have listened to Paul. I mean, if they'd just taken a moment and just paused, thought about this, maybe had a conversation, just wait the storm out, things could have turned out differently. And I think this is an important note 
that Paul wasn't looked at as some bad prisoner that they had to constantly manage. We are told before this, he was treated with kindness. We even read that at different stops along the way, before they got to this point, he was allowed to get off the ship and allow his friends to care for his needs. So they trusted Paul. He's not going to flee. Paul had access to leadership. He had access to the crew. His warning wasn't harsh. It was actually pretty kind. Let's back up to verse 10 of the same chapter. Here's the, here's the warning Paul gives. He says, men, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. They're living this out right now, right? But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. We read that and we're like, that makes sense, right? He's listened to the captain, the owner. I get it. But I think it's important for us to see that Paul had a relational equity with these people, right? He had access to people. He was also known for his conviction of who Jesus was and what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing. Everybody knows that Paul is a follower of the way. He's a Christ follower, that he's living out the power of the Holy Spirit in his own life. This is why he's headed to Rome to, to see Caesar, to go to trial. And because of the time of year that they find themselves in, the weather was more unpredictable and dangerous. This isn't news to Paul or the ship and the crew. But there doesn't seem to be any conversation about Paul's warning, no pausing to reassess, no praying for clarity, nothing. And this is a warning for us to heed as well. When we have people in our own lives that have access to our lives, we need to value and listen to their wise counsel especially when it comes from individuals who are spiritually discerning and have a true, genuine concern for our own well-being. Paul's advice was based on discernment and should remind us to heed wise counsel in our own lives. So here are a few questions we can ask ourselves, maybe to learn where we've missed this in the past and perhaps to help us to see it when it presents itself again in the future. Here's the first question. Where in the past do I or we or you where do we wish we would have listened to counsel we received? Where in the past do we wish we would have listened to the counsel we received? In other words, where could we have prevented going through a storm in our life by just listening to discerning wise people? If we could go back in time and do it all over again, where would we say, I would listen to that counsel instead of heading into that storm? Here's another one. What wise counsel are we receiving now that we aren't processing or praying about? What wise counsel are we receiving now that we aren't processing or praying about? In other words, what storm are we about to head into? What storm awaits if we don't pause for a minute and consider the implications or what someone else is telling us or somebody that's telling us? Because I think it's important also to know who is discerning and how to discern that, right? Because even when the advice is good or the wise counsel is good, we receive it like that's pretty good, we still need to do our part. We still need to check in with God and pray about it ourselves. We need to process it as well. This doesn't happen with the people in the crew on this ship, right? Let's see what happens next. After they'd gone a long time without food, the storm's just beating the ship up, Paul stood up before them, and I love this. He says, men, you should have taken my advice and not, to, and not set sail for Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. So he's basically saying, I tried to tell you, but he says, 
Now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, he says, an angel of the God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. So he's clarifying, it's my God, not the ones you're worshiping. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. So God's saying, this is going to happen. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, they're going to be fine. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me, he tells the crew. Nevertheless, Paul says, we must run aground on some island. The passengers and crew probably have not eaten due to fear, maybe busyness, depression, seasickness. Maybe, maybe they're fasting. Maybe the supplies have been depleted. Maybe they threw them all overboard. Maybe it's because of the length of the journey. They didn't plan well enough. We are not really told why they're not eating, but we know that they're hungry, right? Paul reminded the crew that because of God's guidance, he had warned them of this very problem, the one they're in right now. And he's saying, since I was right before, maybe pause for a minute and listen to how God has revealed himself now. This is why you should have hope. And again, this is another great learning for us. Pay attention to the people in our life who have a track record of being wise and discerning people, right? Those are the ones you're like, okay, you've been right in the past. Perhaps you could be right now. Paul is standing under dark skies on the deck of a ship that's really bobbing like a cork, right? And he's saying this reason of unlikely confidence is because the angel of God has visited me. This angel told me that, he, that we were going to get there safely along with everyone sailing with them. Again, we aren't really told how this angel presents itself. We're not really told how he comes to know all of this, but we do know God spoke. And after relating this encouraging vision to a shipmate, Paul implores them to take courage. I love that. Take courage. Having faith means taking God at his word. It means relying wholeheartedly on the clear-cut promises of God. The issue here isn't whether we have great faith, but whether we have faith in a great God. This is true of Paul. This bad storm and shipwreck is, is not really what you consider like good news. Like, wow, thanks for sharing that, Paul. You know, But knowing about it in advance, I got to think that makes it a little less terrifying. And this is an important truth in our own lives. Trusting God and his guidance and providence, praising God in the midst and the middle of our storms, even in the face of unfavorable circumstances, it's really essential in our own lives. Paul's confidence that God would fulfill his promise should encourage every one of us to trust God's faithfulness in our own lives. When we disregard good advice, wise counsel, it can lead to adverse consequences, circumstances we don't really want to face. The crew and passengers suffered greatly because they ignored Paul's original warning. This reminds us to carefully consider advice and wise counsel to make informed decisions by spending time processing and praying about it. And when others are facing challenging times, we can be like Paul. We can provide encouragement and assurance to others, right? Paul's words of assurance and comfort were vital to keeping the morale of the crew on the ship up. This showcases the importance of offering support and hope 
to others in difficult circumstances. We're not supposed to pile on. No shoulds. Like, you shoulda, you shoulda. We don't should on people, right? Got that one, didn't you? Like, Paul believed in specific promises of God. He believed in the, the promises that God gave him about their safety. We should have faith in God's promises as they're revealed in Scripture and the Bible as well. Those promises are still true for us today. We're even told by Jesus himself in the Gospel of John, in this world you will have storms, trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. There is no storm too big for God. Trusting in God's promise can allow God to break into our own lives, to offer us comfort and peace during our own storms and trials and tribulations. So the question then becomes, what storms are on the horizon of our own life? Where are there winds of change blowing? Are you entering into a season that's extremely busy? A season maybe where you have little margin in your life? Maybe it's this season where a lot's going to be asked of you. Can this be a season where a storm's more likely to, to rear its ugly head? Can this be a season where it's more likely a storm would present itself maybe in relational drift or misunderstandings? Maybe, maybe you'll find yourself in a season that's you're just under more stress. And so because of that, you start to see things more negatively. Maybe your storm of life, maybe your, your season of life, you're not in an actual storm, but you hear the waves like crashing in the distance, right? The winds are blowing. Well, how can you prepare for it? What can you do to prepare for this storm? Is there, is there something you can do to calm down the winds or the impending impact of the storm? How do you invite God into that conversation? Maybe you are in a storm. Maybe your life is hectic and you feel like tossing things overboard because the storm is just too much to handle on your own. Maybe the winds are too strong and you find yourself drifting from who you really want to be or who, where you really want to go. Do you have someone in your life that you can ask for help? you have someone in your life who can or has provided words of life, wisdom, discernment? They've done this in the past that maybe you can now go to and ask again? How can you allow God's promises of who you are in him and who he is provide the hope that this storm too shall pass? This is why we harp on community. It's why it's so important in your life. You have to have people in your life. This is why Christ-centered community is even more important than just regular community. Proverbs reminds us of this when it says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a, a companion of fools suffers harm. Right? One pastor says, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We like to say, the people in your life shape your life, right? How can you surround yourself with Christ-centered people who love God, who love you, who are for you? Whenever we're in the storms of life, we can also take the words of Paul with us when he said, take courage, for I believe God. Take courage, for I believe God. But let's not also forget what Paul also said. 
He said, we will be shipwrecked on an island. The ship is going, to down, going down. Shipwrecks happen. And if you find yourself on an island, you feel like you're shipwrecked, know that God's just not on the way. He's already there. He never left the ship. He went down with you. God never leaves our side. He's always with you. We're, you're never alone. It isn't the final destination. Paul was promised he would get to Rome safely, even shipwrecked on this island. Our final destination, although takes detours, although gets shipwrecked, will not change. God will get us to the final destination. God will break into our lives. And we'll see this over and over and over in our lives. And there are times when you're screaming out, where are you, God? Because our blinders of life are so in front of us, we can't see that he's sitting and standing right next to us the whole time. So my, what I'm imploring you to do is make sure you're in community with people that are Christ-centered. Process. Think back to where you've missed wise counsel and discerning people before. Pray to God. Who are those people now in my life? If you're in a storm, if you feel a storm coming in, if you're coming out of a storm, process this with people that are for you, that love you. You're like, I don't have any of those people, Andy. Well, that's what we're here for. Like The pastors are here to help you, A, find those people, but B, process those things. I'm not going to be able to say, this is what the Lord said. Maybe, doubt it, but I can help ask a lot of questions to help you down the road to figure out what God is speaking to you. This is the beauty of biblical community. This is what we're here for. We love you. God loves you. He's for you. There's no storm too great for our great God. Grab your connect cards that Janice mentioned. I'm going to offer you some next step, and we're going to sit here in just a minute in the application piece of this. So if you haven't filled this out, go ahead and write your name on it. We really believe that God has a next step for you. And by simply writing down your name, we believe you're saying, God, I believe you have an next step for me. You're going to speak to me. You're going to challenge me. So we encourage you to do that. You're going to drop it in the offering in just a few minutes when it goes by. We'll offer you some next steps. You may have one that's not even listed. I just encourage you to write that down and drop it in the, in the offering buckets in a moment. The first one is accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe today's the day. You're sick of going through storms of life on your own. You've tried to navigate them on your own. God maybe even seems to be adding to the frustration because you're like, if there is a God, where is he? Well, he's just waiting for you to invite him in to your life. And our lives are stormy. It's not always sunny skies, right? Life's hard. It's, e it's even more hard when you do it by yourself. You're never designed to do life by yourself. And so when you say yes to Jesus, not only do you have a heavenly father who loves you, you're now brothers and sisters. You're one of God's kids. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. And like the perfect family, don't think of your family or my family, right? Like, but the perfect family, we're all for each other. We're all loving each other. We're all encouraging each other. That's what we're here for. That's what you're invited into. If you
you made that decision today, you just simply note that, take that on the Connect card, drop it in the offering when it goes by. We will be doing baptisms, which is a celebration of this one decision that maybe you've made today. Maybe you've made a decision to follow Christ in the past, but you've not publicly declared that through baptism. And baptism is just simply a, an outward expression to an inward decision. The water represents a grave, and when you go under the water, you die to your old self, you come out of the water, out of the grave, a new creation in Christ, as Scripture tells us. You made a decision to follow Jesus today. Scripture also tells us there's a party in heaven right now for you. There's no more important decision you'll ever make in your life than this one. The second one is our memory verse. We'll have a new memory verse next week for our new series, but this one is Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. What are all these things? We'll read the previous couple of chapters of Matthew, and you'll see about the, the contentment and the love and the, the compassion that God starts to equip you with. He changes you from the inside out. All the things we long for, that's what it's talking about. And here's the application. Trust in God's guidance that comes through the form of scripture, that comes in the form of our own prayer life, that comes in the form of community, it comes in the form of wise counsel. Trust in God's guidance. If it's good, it's loving, if it's biblical, all great signs that that's God's guidance. And of course, the one I like to add on, and if you don't want to do it, really a good sign that's God's guidance. Process that wise counsel. Process with other believers, those you trust. Pray about it. Does it line up to Scripture? Is it loving? Process wise counsel. Provide Christ-centered encouragement to others. We all know people that are going through storms. How do we come alongside them? How do we put our arm around them and remind them who they are in Christ? What God's already done in their life. What God's promises are that this too shall pass, and there might be some tough sledding ahead, and the ship might go down. But you won't leave their side, right? God's not going to leave their side. How do you love them through the storms? Provide Christ-centered encouragement to others, and believe in God's promises in the midst of our storms. The Bible is full of promises. I believe there's still uh, some of these on our website, but during COVID, Cody and I, when Cody was still here as uh, our discipleship pastor, we went through and started to do like little devotionals on some of God's promises. There's probably 30 or 40 out there on our website. If not, we'll get that back up there. But you can go there and you, there's a great place to go through God's promises. The great little Google search you can do. It's not that hard. God's promises in scripture and you'll come up with all kinds of them. Maybe that's the time, like when you're going through a storm, you're like, I just need to sit in God's promises. One of the best ones is he will never forsake you, ever. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Even when you think you have, you haven't. He's always there. Always waiting. Always listening. Sit in God's promises in the midst of your own storm. The last next step we'll talk about is just receive prayer. And some of you have come out of really hard storms right now. 
you're on the other side of it, you've been on an island, you feel like you can see the rescue boat coming to save you. Some of you are on that boat. Some of you are in the beginning of a storm. Some of you are in the middle of a storm. Some of you are about to you know, hit that island and be shipwrecked. But we're all going to go into another storm. I mean, that's just reality. In this life, there will be trouble. Not maybe, not for some of you, will. We're all going to have a storm. How? Let's decide right now how we'll navigate it. Who we're going to navigate it with. And I think one of the best ways to do that is prayer. We'll have prayer teams up here on my right in the back left-hand corner. They would love to pray for you about any storm that you've gone into, come out of, or in. Maybe you know people that are in a storm. You're like, how do I come alongside and encourage them? Maybe you've not been an encourager of this storm in the midst of their storm. Maybe you said some, some things, you're like, ah, how do I get back in? Like, let's pray about it. Maybe you have something just going on in your life you want prayer for. Maybe you need healing. We believe God heals today. Just like he did in the scriptures, he's the same God today. That's our theology. That's our belief. Maybe you have a praise report. You've come out of a really hard storm and God is showing up in some miraculous ways. Let's praise God together through prayer. If that's not your forte, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can write your prayer request on your Connect card. You can leverage the prayer wall in the back. You can email us at prayer at lewashcc.com. So there's lots of ways you can receive prayer. But again, I think the best way to do that is in person with other people that love you and are for you. We're going to go ahead and receive our offering. If you have an offering and want to invest into our mission, we appreciate that. And if you would drop your Connect cards in there as well. While they're doing that, grab your communion that you would have received as you walked in. And if you didn't, by all means, grab one now or um, in just a minute when we go back to worship through song. But this is just another act of worship, is communion. It's a regular reminder of all that God has done for us in Christ. But it's more than just a memorial. It's not something that just happened. It's called a, to remember, and it's a remembrance that it's active even now. We come to Christ. When we come to communion, we're like, we're for you, Jesus. Not only do we believe what we say we believe, but we're all in. That's what communion is. I'm all in, Lord. Whatever you call me to, whatever you ask me to do, in the best of my ability, give me the, the courage and strength. Where do I need to take the courage to act it out? But I'm with you. I'm, I want to be obedient. We do that by saying we're going to die to ourselves. We're going to live for Christ. And so this is what this is. We're remembering that his body was broken, which is the way for his blood was shed, which is the juice. But in that, we're saying we die with you as you enter into us. And we'll walk out our lives in full pursuit, the best way we know how, of who you are and what you want to do. Let me pray. God, as much as we don't want to thank you for the storms in our lives, we know that you use these storms to build our character and that you care way more for our character than you do our circumstances. And so God, help us in the midst of the storms of life come out the other end of this with the character of Christ. So give us your eyes to see. Give us your ears to hear. Give us the words to speak. You tell us you'll replace our heart of stone. 
with a new heart. God, we know your spirit's in us. Your Holy Spirit is alive and active and well. So God, remind us of that. Help us to slow down. Help us to pause. Help us to hear the wise counsel of the saints, the people in our lives you put in our lives. God, reveal what's true of you. Give us that discernment. God, we love you. Thank you for never forsaking us. Thank you for always being on the ship, even when you know it's going down. But God, what we love about your story of redemption, restoration, is that you're not going to leave us there. You love us enough to love us where we are, but you also love us enough not to leave us there. And we thank you for that. So come. And the only way that you can, pour out your spirit, pour out your love, your mercy, and your grace. We love you. Thanks for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're free to sit or stand and receive uh, prayer.